Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode. I am Leah Murphy. I am the CEO and founder of Career Jumps for the Journey, where we are on a mission to help 10,000 women learn how to negotiate for more money. We're going to get into it today. So today we are focusing on negotiating for better compensation as an external candidate. So last week, we were talking about asking for a promotion as an internal candidate, which is definitely a thing. That was one question that I got all the time. If I'm already working for the company and I've been there less than two years, can I ask for additional compensation? If I've been there less than three years, can I ask for additional compensation? And the answer to that is yes. We went in that into that in detail last week. So please go ahead and watch those lives. You'll be able to see the replay. This Today, we're going to focus specifically on external candidates, which got a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. So I'm actually going to run through what I was going to share, and then I'm going to pull out the questions that I got after the last live because there was a lot of really good curiosity. So I appreciate all the engagement. I appreciate all the questions. Continue to DM me, send me questions that you have around salary negotiation, and go get the book. The book will absolutely help to prepare you and even stimulate your thinking for questions you haven't even come up with yet, right? A lot of times when we're thinking about what our next move is, we know that there's some things that we want to work on, but we're not really sure how to go about it. The book is an ebook. It's a guide that's going to carry you through your negotiation preparation step by step. And it actually allows you to take notes and capture what you learned so that you can pull it out whenever you need it. And you know the old saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So as you're thinking about, you know, I'm not going to make a move for maybe another year, 18 months, being prepared and learning how to negotiate now will really equip you well so that you can navigate that negotiation successfully. And this is a caveat, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but it'll also tell you when it's important to walk away from negotiations. Sometimes staying in the negotiation and, um, and doing the work doesn't produce the result that you're looking for. So it means that another negotiation is where you need to spend your time, not continuing to invest in the one you were just in. But we're going to get into that um, a little bit more here today. So here's the thing. I wanted to really open with this because it's super important. And a lot of people tend to walk away or tend to avoid negotiation from the beginning because we're a, we have a fear of failure or we have a fear of not getting what we deserve or we have a fear of being in the negotiation and damaging the relationship. We talked about that a little bit last week. 
my theory for negotiation holistically is um, pulled from a quote that um, Nelson Mandela shared, amazing leader, right? Nelson Mandela is, is like the person who I think about when I think of really principled individuals. And the quote is, I don't lose, I either win or I learn. So I shorten that, right? So shout out to Nelson Mandela and his legacy and the amazing human that he is. But I shortened it down and we use it on the podcast all the time. And it's shortened to you don't lose, you learn. So either you win because you're successful and you get the result you want, or you learn something that you otherwise would have not put yourself in a position to learn. And for me, as someone who is very committed to being a lifelong learner, um, continuing to grow and develop, I am always of the mindset of, okay, well, now I know, right? I didn't know before. I took a chance, right? I took a calculated risk and now I learned something new. And now I'm even more prepared for the next time because I'm going to always continue to advocate for opportunities for myself and for my clients. So I'm always in a negotiation and I want to encourage more folks to do the same. So then the next point was, so you don't lose, you learn, right? It's really important to think about it that way so that we don't talk ourselves out of the negotiation. Lots of people will think about it as, well, if I don't ever ask that I can't lose. And that is a perspective. I think it comes from, you know, natural not having the access to learn how to negotiate well. Um, so then folks feel like it's not worth my interest and I don't want to um, start a conversation that I can't finish or I'm not really prepared to come out on the other side of it. And I don't want to be disappointed. Right. Like, honestly, we don't want to be disappointed often. Um, and sometimes that's the reason why we don't approach situations to ask for more. But here's a gem. The thing that I feel that we are lacking a lot of times in our coworker relationship, in our work bestie relationships, and some of our other friends is to talk about money amongst your friends. Talk about compensation amongst people that you trust, um, whether it's your mentor, whether it's friends, whether it's coworkers, whether it's peers, whether it's people in your community, your neighbors, really get to a place where you feel comfortable with people. And then you all can discuss money together because you can talk about compensation in a way that allows you to understand what other companies may be doing, what other companies may be offering that are in a total compensation realm. So it doesn't have to be about salary alone. And I'm not sure how we got uncomfortable talking about salary. I don't know how that became a problem. Um, but my friends and I talk about money in a super transparent way, right? My friends and I talk about money as entrepreneurs. We also talk about money as um, folks who've worked inside of organizations before. So the reason why I think it's important is because when you've never really discussed money with anyone or with a very, very small group of people, then asking for more money feels kind of like foreign. So it's really just getting yourself comfortable as an external candidate with talking about money, talking about compensation, talking about benefits, talking about time off, talking about base salary and long-term incentives, right? So thinking about that as a part of a conversation that you can have with people you trust is kind of the first step to being able to ask someone who you don't know or is a stranger for additional compensation. So if I could give you any real-time advice, who are three people that I can talk about compensation with that I feel comfortable and that will help me get a broader perspective, right? So I think those should be people in your peer groups. Those should be your friends. Those could be your siblings. They could be your coworkers. It could be your work best friend. It could be your mentor, right? So lots of people can come and just give you a broader perspective about the compensation that they 
um, are getting currently, you should try to make sure it's people who are similar to you from a professional level. So maybe at the same, you know, entry level, early career, or maybe at a manager level. And this is a this is a trusted conversation, right? So the two of you or the three of you, the four of you agree. We're going to talk about money here because we all want to get to more money, right? We want to have more opportunities to grow. But if we don't have this conversation here, it's very hard to be able to go to a stranger and then say, well, here are the things that I'm interested in compensation wise. So that's one piece of advice. I'd like young people to definitely start doing it, especially if you're in internship phases, if you're really early in your career and you're interning or you're coming out of a um, a MBA um, rotation and you're thinking about how do I navigate this? Start talking to your classmates about what did you make at your internship? What was the, you know, did they give you any additional allowances? Um, And then you can really start to have a conversation. What I have heard is, and what could be a real challenge is, Normally, when you work inside an organization, organizations discourage you from talking about your compensation, right? Organizations will say, well, you know, we shouldn't share salary because it's sensitive, it's confidential information. And here's what I'm here to tell you. Organizations benefit from you not sharing that information, right? So they definitely are going to benefit from you keeping it to yourself. That's number one. Number two, if you share your own sensitive information about salary, there is no wrongdoing. Right. If I decide that I want to announce um, with my group of friends at at brunch that I am looking to make four hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty three. Right. If I announce that at my brunch, the company has no obligation to actually do the thing. And you're also not responsible to them to not share. So I know a lot of times people don't speak about money because there's cultural um, expectations within your organization. And that is absolutely fair. But I'm here to tell you, there's no wrongdoing if you share your own sensitive information. And if that other person shares their own sensitive information, you guys have built a trust and established a relationship. So it's appropriate for the two of you. Now, you can't go to HR and ask about somebody else's compensation. That's not a thing, right? That doesn't it doesn't work like that. But if you establish a respected relationship with someone and you guys trust one another, obviously, my question always is, what do you stand to lose by having the conversation. Now, one of your coworkers know how much money you make, and maybe that makes you feel a certain kind of way. And the reason why often we feel some kind of way is because so much of our identity, and we've been kind of conditioned to think about how much money we make and what our title is and what the organization we work for. And that comes to our identity. It gives us a certain amount of status. It gives us a certain amount of access. And as we want more of that status or as we desire to grow, sometimes we can feel like, well, I don't want to share that kind of information about myself. But what it does is it makes you a party of one for information. You only know your information. You don't know anybody else's information. So you're limited in your ability to really build a real strategy for salary negotiation or compensation negotiation. If you can be one of four and you know salary ranges for four different people, now you can think, okay, well, there's some creative ways that I might be able to go about it because I know that other people are doing different things. Going in with the assumption that everybody is getting the same amount or going in with the assumption that everybody has the same level of flexibility oftentimes is what causes us not to ask for more because we think everybody else is on the same page. Now, 
Here's what I'll say, because I know this can be, this is a brave new step for a lot of people. There are so many opportunities for us to think about broader compensation, but a lot of times it's our own lack of information that causes us not to ask. And I want to kind of break that down for us. And this is kind of your pre-work to think about negotiation. Here's another way that you can get the information running a parallel path. And I'm not saying another way as one should replace the other. I suggest you do both. Right. So the first way is in your community, in your network, in your relationships with people, reach out to them and have, you know, have a vulnerable conversation about salary, about compensation. Then you're able to establish that trust and learn more about what they're already getting or what they plan on asking for or what they're looking for in their next role. Right. And now you guys can support each other encourage one another, right? Send each other job postings, send each other networking opportunities, right? Really start to build that relationship into something that you guys can be really mutually beneficial that's going to help your career grow. The other way, and I suggest folks do this all the time, and this is controversial, right? And you know, you guys know, I like a contrary opinion, right? Because I think a lot of times we march to the beat of uh, the same drum, but there is not an opportunity for real critical um, assessment on based on your needs, because I encourage folks to test out the job market at least at least once a year. So keep your resume up to date. If you're ready, you don't have to get ready, right? You stay ready, you don't have to get ready. But test out the job market. Accept a call from a recruiter. Accept a call from, from a networking organization who is looking to connect with you, right? They have a role that's open and they want to know if you're, if you're looking. And you can always say, I'm not actively looking, I'm passively looking. But test the market. And when you're testing the market, you're talking to a recruiter, you're talking to a hiring manager, you're actually going through the interview process often. And here's why that's really important. Number one, you have to stay sharp, right? The market changes constantly. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the market on the back end, but there's always shifts that are happening in job availability, Um you know, two years ago, people were job hopping tremendously during the great resignation and people were leaving to, to for all kinds of personal reasons. Right. And now we're in a place where the job market is shrinking and things are changing and organizations are making decisions based on their best interests. Right. When organizations make choices in their best interests, sometimes they are not in your best interest as the employee. So keeping your options open, keeping healthy relationships with recruiters that are external um, keeping you know high activity levels and engagement on LinkedIn, I think is a base foundation for someone who is working for an organization. So test the job market frequently, at least once a year. Go through it, have the phone screen, do the in-person interview even. Really get to the place where you understand that this could really be an opportunity for you and it's fair to consider. Now you can say, do I want to stay in my organization because it's a good fit? And you're staying by your own choice, right? Because you know what else is in the market and you're making the choice to stay or you make the choice to go. Because when organizations make their choices, they're going to make the choice for you to stay or to go based on their own best interests. And that's just an unfortunate fact of corporate America these days. It's an unfortunate fact that you have to always be doing what's in your best interest long term because the organization eventually may have to make a different decision and go a different way and it might not serve you. So I would hate for you to be in a company six years, have never interviewed externally. You have no idea what your value in the market is. Your resume is, is not up to date and it's looking kind of shabby. Your LinkedIn, you haven't made any connections on LinkedIn in months, right? You guys see where I'm going here? You see this picture? But if you interview... 
and go through the process once a year, you're more likely to stay sharp and you're more likely to know about opportunities that are coming, right? That are kind of on the horizon or organizations that you aspire to work for at some point in the future. A lot of times we're just not informed because we're so heads down in our day job, right? We, you know, we have their high expectations for us in our day job. We have a tremendous amount of work and I have been there. I totally understand. The challenge though is when the time comes and you need the information, you don't want to be seeking the opportunity right when you need it the most. You want to be passively, proactively thinking about what other organizations could be a fit, what other titles could work for me, and what is the compensation that they're offering? So the way to get compensation understanding in more detail is to really have great relationships with recruiters or other HR professionals. So, you know, the way you have great relationships with HR professionals and recruiters is you talk to them, right? You answer their call when they reach out to you. So it's it sounds counterintuitive. It's like, well, I'm not ready to leave yet. Okay. Well, when you are ready to leave, you'd like to be able to make a friendly phone call, right? You would like to be able to reach out to someone who knows you. And the recruiter can tell you what the salary ranges are for their uh, the posting that they have up right now or the open job position, they can give you a range. They can't tell you the exact salary. They may not be able to pinpoint it for you because it's based on a number of other variables, but certainly they can give you a range. So now you talk to your peers, you talk to your coworkers, you talk to a couple friends, even if it's two people. If you can't get to the point where you got 10 people that you feel like you can have compensation discussions with, think about two people in your network, two people that you have direct relationships with that you can then talk about compensation with just to get comfortable talking about it. And then think about when was the last time you had a call with a recruiter or you went through an interview process, you actually applied for a role and carried, you know, went through the process. If it's been a while and you've not done either of these, these are the core foundation, I feel, um, in prepping for your next salary negotiation. So use recruiters. And the other reason why I think it's super important to use recruiters, if you don't hear anything else as an external candidate, I want you to hear this. Y'all ready? The market decides your salary and compensation. I'm going to say that again. The market decides your salary and compensation. I'm going to use a quick parallel. If you think about the housing market, buying houses, for anyone who's a homeowner or aspires to be a homeowner, you will see that in the last five years, the housing market has done roller coaster rides. You know, it's low, it's quiet, there's lots of inventory. Anybody can kind of buy a house. They're very excited to be able to give people mortgages. And properties are available. Then you hit a time where there's almost no inventory on the market. People are paying tremendous amounts of money, right, in order to buy houses that otherwise are, you know, normal uh, and nothing special. But the market has said, well, there's low inventory, right? You're getting to real basic supply and demand. Low inventory means that the houses that are available, the prices can go up. So when you think about the job market and you think about your compensation, the market decides. So if you're currently working at an organization and say, we're going to just use round numbers. Say you're making $90,000 in your current organization and you're content. You feel good about it. I'm making $90,000 where I am. I'm interviewing with another organization. I get to the point where we want to start talking about salary and they ask you what your range is. And you say, what? You say, help me understand the market value for the role that I'm interviewing for. 
because the $90,000 that you're currently making might be irrelevant to this next opportunity. So as you go in and you start to have these conversations with recruiters or, or hiring managers or HR professionals in these new organizations, as we're testing the market consistently and potentially taking that next opportunity, you want to do your research based on the market value for the role that you're in. And oftentimes the location can be a variable. Less of that now with remote work, but you want to understand market value. Now there's lots of resources that you can do that um, electronically. I won't list them all. The ones that are probably most popular are Glassdoor and Payscale. And even sometimes LinkedIn will have that information, right? An estimate of what the market value for that salary is. And your recruiter is definitely going to have details on what the market value for that role is at this time and place based on what the market is saying. So your 90000 from before is completely irrelevant if this role is offering 180000 now. If this new role, this new organization, you don't necessarily want to base it on what you made in the past. And that's something that I find lots and lots of people do. Well, you know, I went from 90,000, which was great. And 90,000 is a lot of money for people. There's a lot of opportunity to continue to grow, right? So you feel good about that. But I don't want you to leave any money on the table if it's possible. So if you have the potential to get to 140, 150, 170,000, whatever that number is, that's what you need to be basing it on, the market value, not what you were making before. So often, folks, that's really how folks can transform their salary negotiation in a really significant way. Don't base your next salary and total compensation on what you're making currently. Let the market decide. You take yourself out of the equation, right, and your previous compensation out of the equation. And here's a, here's a tip. Um, in a lot of states, and I didn't do the research before, I, I know it, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. A lot of states, you're not even at, recruiters are not allowed to ask what you're making in your current salary. And that's in order to create some equity so that the job seeker has an opportunity to test the market and let the market decide. As opposed to if you were already underpaid in your previous organization, you don't need to carry that into your next organization. So I think there's some HR professionals that are with us in the live. I would definitely love to hear additional thoughts or feedback um, if anyone wants to layer on to that or if anybody wants to you know, provide a contradictory opinion. I'm always here for a great discussion. I'm always here for dialogue because I think as we have these conversations publicly right, and more out loud, our peers are doing this work. They're talking to each other about money. They're helping each other get internships. They're helping each other negotiate and you know, giving each other opportunities to get contracts if you're an entrepreneur. So us as a you know community and using LinkedIn as a community to really layer that on. And a lot of us did not grow up in households that were talking about money, talking about compensation. You know, I can say for myself, my um, when I wrote my book, and this is a funny story, I showed it to my mom. So my mom and I are you know really close. She's an amazing human. I, I find um, so much of her in me and I find so much of what I desire to be, to be anchored in the foundation that she laid for me. Both of my parents are just dope humans. But this story is about my mom. And I was explaining to her the negotiation process that I had learned after 15 years of negotiating for multi-million dollar deals with Fortune 500 companies. I'm talking about commas, lots of money for these companies. So when I put the resources together for my clients, and I showed it to my mom. She told me flat out, I've never negotiated my salary before. It never happened. And she had retired at that point, 
right? So now she is retired. She'd worked a full career and had done amazing work, you know, changed people's lives, influenced organizations, but she had never negotiated her salary. So I do think that there is a generational difference. So sometimes when we're making the suggestion for, when I am making the suggestion for you to talk to your peers, talk to your mentors, I'm encouraging you to talk to people who have negotiated themselves in the past, because that's not a given in a lot of circumstances. So my mom said she had never negotiated her salary. We're walking through the book and she's, you know, totally blown away by some of these concepts, like, you know, you know, the audacity, right? Yeah. You need a little audacity to be able to ask for more. You need a little bit more audacity to be able to advocate for yourself in the market. So audacity really comes from feeling confident, doing the research, having really good information, having great resources at your disposal, right? Which is why I'm encouraging folks to get the book because the resource itself will help you to prepare for your next negotiation specifically based on your needs. And then there's a happy ending to the story. My mom and I read the book. We go through a cover, cover to cover. I give her a copy. I mean, she's my mom. I got to give my mom a copy. I give her um, a digital copy of the book. And she says that she ended up using the book, using my book to negotiate for, <laughs> for her now part-time job. Essentially, she retired and she got offered a job. She told them no, that she was retired and not interested. And she would only be interested in working part-time. And in her desire to work part-time, she only wanted to work 16 to 20 hours a week. They wanted to offer her a full-time job. She said, you know, I'm not interested in a full-time job. Here are the requirements, right? Here's what's on the table for me. Here are what my priorities are and the areas that I need to advocate for in this negotiation. And it was part-time work. It was some other critical things to be able to work remote. They redesigned a full-time job into a part-time job with more compensation than they initially offered. They initially offered because my mom had learned how to negotiate. It almost brings me to tears, right? Because there was a super full circle moment. She had never done it before, never felt like she needed to advocate for herself or didn't have the tools and resources or language to be able to do it. Here, her child writes this book and then she magically, um, you know, or divinely gets offered this opportunity that she really didn't want, but she only wanted it under these certain set of circumstances. So she negotiated to get it under those circumstances and to get additional compensation. And now she's content. Now she works her 20 hours. You know, her employer is thrilled because they got someone who is, you know, bought in a really seasoned, talented professional. It's a win-win, right? She got what she wanted as far as working flexibility and the compensation she was looking for. They get a super engaged, exceptional employee that's going to deliver great results. Negotiation is, can be a mutually beneficial outcome. It really just requires you to get creative and to have the resources and the language and the confidence to approach the negotiation, to not step back from it for fear of failure or for fear of being disappointed. Because when you're prepared, when you do the work, when you have great resources, you don't lose, you learn. So if that negotiation didn't generate what you were looking for, the next one will, because now you're more prepared. Or if this negotiation that you um, approached didn't give you what you were looking for, now you certainly know more about what the company values, what their priorities are, what they're willing to invest in, what they're willing to spend money on. So I go through this in so much more detail in the book. I go through it. I comb through exercises. I really help you think critically about your negotiation, your skills, 
what you bring to the table, but also what are the priorities of the other organization? What are they looking to accomplish? When you're clear about what you need and what their objectives are, now you can have a productive negotiation that's grounded in respect and it's grounded in the reality that there can be a mutual mutually beneficial outcome. Without the right preparation, language, confidence, you never approach the negotiation. We miss the opportunity to advocate for ourselves and we leave money on the table. And in 2023, I want to not be leaving money on the table. This for me is my mission, right? I said at the top, I want 10,000 women to learn how to negotiate for more money. I just had a great opportunity to contribute to an article. And I mentioned this last week with Lola Bacar in the Harvard Business Review. Lots of other talented women also quoted in this Harvard Business Review article. Go back into my post. You'll definitely see it. But it is it was around Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And the fact that Black women had to work until September, into September, in order to make the same amount of money that a white man made at the end of last calendar year. Black women had to work an additional nine months just to get to the same point. And that frustrates me, right? It makes me very upset. It makes me angry. And there's lots of work that companies and organizations have to do in order to create pay equity. But helping people learn how to negotiate is my way of directly impacting my corner of the world so that more people have the skills, language, and confidence to approach negotiations. Now I'm going to close with this. Um, I got lots of feedback also that, you know, people are negotiating and sometimes companies are not open to it or, um, or negotiation doesn't always get you the result you're looking for. If you are negotiating, well done. Just well done. If you are even approaching the conversation well done. There are lots of people who are not. So I want to encourage you to first negotiate. Do the work, do the research, use the tools and resources that I'm, going to, that I'm making available to you. But then I want to fast forward. If the company that you are negotiating with for additional compensation and you're not getting the outcome you wanted, feel free to walk away from that negotiation. I'm not encouraging anyone to stay in an environment that doesn't support them. I'm also not encouraging anyone to stay anywhere where they don't feel valued, appropriately compensated. I'm not here for that. I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm encouraging you to approach the negotiation. If they give you what you're looking for, then you have a decision to make, right? Do I stay or, you know, is this, is this what I'm really looking for? And I say yes. But if you're not getting what you need, I also encourage you to leave that negotiation. And sometimes that means you're leaving the organization, you're leaving a team, you're leaving a job. So that's why the testing the market is important in addition to learning the skills to negotiate. When you find a scenario that is a fit for you because they value what you bring to the table, they're willing to compensate you accurately, and it's a healthy work environment for you to stay in, now we're talking, right? Now we're talking about staying. So I'm not under any misconception that people aren't negotiating. I'm not under any misconception that Black women specifically are not negotiating. And I'm not under any misconception that every negotiation will go exactly the way you want it to. But you have to do it, right? We have to do it. We have to approach it. We have to make make it a priority to advocate for ourselves. We also have to make sure that we have the right language, we have the right understanding, and we've done our research. And also that we're working with grounded data that's driven by the market. 
So this has been an amazing experience, right? I always love to be in community with people who want to talk about negotiation, who want to build this out as a skill set. But I also want to be in community with people who are going to challenge, right? And ask the right questions so that now we can make sure that we're preparing and having a really robust discussion. We'll be doing part four of salary negotiation, and we're going to go one click deeper. We're going to talk about salary versus total compensation. So I know a lot of times we focus on salary and I really want to bring out a discussion around total compensation because I think there's another place where we're leaving money on the table. We're leaving money on the table by not negotiating at all, but also focusing very narrowly on salary will put us in a position where we're leaving money on the table that we might not even be aware of. Feel free to DM me any questions that come up or follow me on LinkedIn as well as Instagram. There are additional resources on gemsforthejourney.org. As you're thinking about career development holistically, lots of amazing resources. And you can grab the book, Salary Power Moves, Winning the Compensation Negotiation on my website on gemsforthejourney.org. You can click directly into the link on my LinkedIn bio and get access to it and have an amazing rest of your day. I appreciate you riding with me. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.